We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Keith Smith, a friend of the show, reoccurring guest from Yahoo Sports. Keith, what's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm, you know, thanks for having me back on. Uh, you know, a lot going on in the world right now. Where uh, I'm in Orlando, we're trying to ramp up for the return of the NBA uh, here in in town with us. And unfortunately, our coronavirus cases are exploding all over. So right off the jump, I'm going to use that as a uh, plea to wear your masks. And if you're an NBA fan, you know, please, when you're in the area, wear your masks so that the NBA will still come here and finish out their season. Please, 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 please. Wise words from Keith right there. Uh, wear your mask because, hey, come on. It, they've taken basketball from us for far too long. We need it back. And we're getting to right around, I want to say it's about 40 days until the NBA is going to resume play. Keith, it, you were one of the original, if not the first people, I feel like, to pitch the idea for the NBA to resume play in Orlando. You are very familiar with Disney. Can you tell us about you know, the the complex over there. I've never been to the complex. I've been to Disney World, but never seen where they're going to play. What is that area like? Yeah, so you're not alone in not having been to the 
I wore the sports complex as a guest. I've learned a lot of times, you know, pe- people, they don't, they don't even know it exists. Never mind, never even being there. And I think what is interesting is how much um, uh, people, you know, they, they come here and I did the same thing before I started working here. You throw your bags down in your room and you run off to the theme parks and, you know, at the end of your trip, you leave tired and poor. And that's the goal, right? Is, you know, you had a lot of fun, you wore yourself out and you spent a ton of money, but the sports complex is massive. It's over 200 acres of fields and arenas. There are three arenas over over at that side of the um, of the property um, that they're going to use, they're going to set all of them up with at least one game court. Well, not at least with one game court inside each arena, and then there's going to be a couple practice courts set up in that area as well. They're also going to do some some uh, practice type facilities set up in some of the convention spaces that are attached to the hotels where the players are going to stay. Um, so they're going to have that set up as well. It's really going to be you know a pretty nice setup for them. They're going to have everything that they need um, or could possibly possibly want from a basketball side will all be set up at the sports complex and it's you know gonna come off it'll look weird because there's not gonna be any fans in the stands but it's gonna look like you're used to watching you know just a regular basketball game just minus a crowd that's gonna be interesting to see because you know i feel like fans right now you know we feel like oh yeah that'll be no, no big deal you know whatever but until you actually see it with no fans in there it's going to be pretty weird, but at the same point, hey, if you're as diehard of an NBA fan as I am, you just want to see these players play regardless of who's in the stands. But I thought it was kind of interesting the way that they divided these teams up in tiers. Like, they're the better teams are staying at, I guess, a nicer hotel. I mean, is there really that much difference uh, in the hotels where these teams are staying? Because it's not like the NBA is going to feed, you know, like, our, our place... Teams like, you know, the, the Suns and the Wizards in a, a far less, you know, classy establishment as some of the other teams. And what, yeah, what's no. the difference here? <laughs> Yeah, no, there, there's no uh, Joe's Roadside Motel where uh, you might be sharing your bed with some critters. Um, no, none of that's going to be going on. They, all three of the resorts are actually pretty comparable. Um, what's interesting is, so Walt Disney World, they break their resorts down into three buckets. There's the Deluxe Resort the moderate resorts and then what they call value resorts and even the value resorts that's that's like more like what i stay in um when i was traveling here and, and even now would stay in um they're still really nice and that's not even what they're using um the grand destino tower at coronado springs is a, it's an interesting place that's where the teams that are expected to stay in the playoffs i guess the longest are mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way that's where they're gonna stay now Coronado Springs is a moderate resort. It's also Disney's primary convention hotel. But what they are is the way way they've kind of got that um that that tower set up is it's brand new. It only opened last fall. So uh, when you think about the fact that Disney closed in March and hasn't been open to guests, it hasn't really been open to all that very many people um, since it opened. And it is built to attract high-end convention business. So it's a luxury tower. Um, so it's it's really nice. It's going to be um, you know close to what NBA players are used to um, when they're on the road. It's not exactly the Four Seasons, but it's a pretty nice setup. Then Grand Floridian, which is where the uh, playoff teams but maybe not in the playoffs for so long mm-hmm. are saying that's disney's flagship resort um that is uh you know the the number one uh, hotel that you see uh when you see a lot of the marketing it's it's um the one if if you're ever seeing like shots of like the magic kingdom it's the one that's kind of off to the left hand side it's it's uh painted white with like a reddish orange roof and it, it's it's gorgeous you 
you go by it when you're on the monorail if you're riding the monorail it's a really nice hotel um and then the third which is the uh teams that are gonna have to fight their way into the playoffs is the yacht club and the yacht club is um it's it's a it's a sister hotel with the beach club um to the point where most people just refer to it as yacht and beach because they are you know so tight there they actually share a pool it is uh without a doubt the best pool on walt disney world property it's like a mini water park it's really cool but it is um set up you know very uh differently as well um from that that standpoint where it's kind of a smaller hotel um and it's it's a little more um you know by by itself over there with the beach club and it's you know close to a couple of theme parks which isn't going to really matter because they're not coming and going to the parks as much but the idea is get those teams in there then they'll finish up they'll take them out of the yacht club and then they're going to send them off uh you know those rooms will get turned back over to disney disney will do their their part to get them ready to get back in their inventory for guests and then the grand floridian will do the same thing and i have been told by folks with disney that if a team advances further than they are expected they may be asked to change resorts at some point and move into one of the others but grand destino tower coronado springs that's going to be the hub for the full three months whoever makes you know the run they're likely to come out of that group and they're going to be there you know for quite some time about three three and a half months it's going to be really interesting because, you know, a lot of time's gone by. I mean, almost basically what feels like a full off season. So you're really going to yeah. see who's been working and who hasn't. But when you're talking about, you know, making a deep run, you know, for at least the first seven weeks, Keith, we're talking about no friends and family able to visit. I mean, how much of a problem is this going to be for some, you know, NBA you know guys? I mean, this could be, you know, maybe someone has a pregnant wife or, or just gave birth or... You know, whatever it is, you're going to be away from family for quite some time. Uh, Do you think there's going to be any star players that potentially say, I'm not going? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, what you're going to see, like like we just saw Kelly Oubre of the mm-hmm. Suns. It was just announced he's not going to come and play. But that's, a you know, and people kind of ran with that a little bit. But he's also coming off an injury, and he was questionable to play for the rest of the season anyway. So that is, you know, you, you've got a guy like that who's not going to play. And, and you might have a couple more guys on that that side. But I don't think you're going to see very many players, you know, and this is all assuming, you know, things don't go absolutely bananas here with the case number numbers continuing to rise i don't think you're gonna see guys no it's certainly not helping that's definitely true um but i don't think you're gonna see guys sit out because i think the vast majority of the players are want to get here one thing i think that is really helping is there's no golden state warriors inevitability hanging over this season of like Mm -hmm. well they're gonna win it no matter what um there are seven or eight teams that truly believe like yeah we had a chance if things broke right talking to people from those teams that belief is only stronger now because of the fact that it is um when they start looking at things they start thinking about hey man like we don't need it to break right now now there's no home court advantage there's no this there's no that and they feel really good about it so i think there is a really good chance you're gonna start seeing um you know some of these teams show up here and be really ready to go out of the gate and i think they're gonna use those early you know handful of weeks like you said six seven weeks to really focus on all right let me get get into the playoffs let us get that moving and then as we advance into the later rounds that's when the families can join and the friends and all that and we'll move forward from there but a lot of these guys they shut it down when it's the playoffs anyway to some extent where they they try to limit all outside distractions as it is like lebron famously right what does he do he does a zero dark 30 or whatever mm-hmm. he calls it um you know a lot of those guys they, they might not do it quite as uh publicly as he does but a lot of guys do those sorts of things where it's the playoffs this is where my focus needs to be so i don't think it's going to be a, be all that big of an issue 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that uh, all NBA fans are looking in right now is the potential play-in tournament. You know, the, the battle yeah. out, out west for that eighth seed was actually really heating up once the season went on hold. I mean, it feels, it really feels like the NBA wants the Pelicans to get that seed. They would never say that, but it feels like that plan was almost designed to say, hey, could we get maybe a team like the Pelicans in there? Potentially a Zion versus LeBron matchup. Out of those teams, just, you know, your opinion, who do you think maybe might snag that eighth seed in the end? Because the Blazers are a team that's healthy now. You know, they, they, they've... They've gotten some guys back. I mean, the Pelicans are playing good ball towards the end. The Grizzlies were the team that kind of out of that group played the best all year, you know, out of that, you know, four or five teams. And then you got a team like the Spurs where LaMarcus Aldridge, another guy who elected for surgery, it looks like the Spurs run in the playoffs is over. Yeah, 22 years straight for San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my favorite stats is in there, this is, I believe, their 43rd NBA season. I might be off on that. Um, But I know this part is right. They've only not made the playoffs four times in those 40-plus years that they've been an NBA franchise. And in two of those years, one year they got David Robinson, the other one, Tim Duncan. So so that's how you pull together a 22-year playoff run, right, is uh, when, when you're doing things like that. So, you know, but yeah, I I think they're probably they're probably done. I I still favor the Grizzlies because one team's got to you got to catch them first. You got to get to within four games, mm-hmm. and I believe they've got a three and a half game lead. So that's already kind of a biggish ask to to ask a team to get there. Then um then you got to beat them twice, and you got to beat them twice in a row to to get that final playoff spot. If anybody's going to pull it off, I'm going to favor the Trailblazers. I think Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum have proven that they can win some games on their own. They're also going to get Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back, which is huge. They haven't had those guys really all year. Uh, Collins got hurt early on, and Nurkic hasn't played yet this season. So I think the fact that they're they're healthy, they've got some depth now, I think that they're going to be a team that could really make a run at this. So I think if anybody's going to chase down Memphis, I would give it to Portland with an outside you know, shot at the Pelicans, I think, you know, the challenge for the Pelicans is if, if we had played out the season the way it was supposed to go, they were playing pretty good basketball. They were getting healthy themselves outside of JJ Redick, who was, you know, dealing with a hamstring issue. Um, but they were, they had a very easy closing schedule. So I think they might've run the Grizzlies down from behind, but here I think, you know, there's just, you know, while the Wizards and the Suns and maybe the Spurs because the situation aren't all that good of teams to play. There's no uh, real gimme games on this schedule uh, at Walt Disney World, and that's going to be tough for them to you know kind of make up that ground. No, it really is. So it's definitely going to be interesting. A team like the Blazers, you know, people forget they were in the conference finals last yeah. year, and Dame, you know, Dame Lillard was playing some of his best basketball this year and had gotten hurt. So they were like that team where you really never saw – them at their full capacity this year but who's maybe one of the playoff teams that you feel like is getting healthy at the right time because I'm going to be biased here and I'm going to say my Indiana Pacers never really you never got to fully see them at full strength because Oladipo missed half the season he came back he looked rough and then Brogdon you know that was like the 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 backcourt you wanted to see that you only got to see a handful of times both guys are healthy now and then the Sixers, a team that I felt underperformed all year, it feels like they're healthy now with Ben Simmons and Embiid. So very curious to see what's happening kind of, you know, once we resume play. 
Yeah, you took two of them in the East. I, I think you know, Malcolm Brogdon approximately had about 97 different injuries this mm-hmm, year, I think. Pretty much. Um, it might, might be a little leaving low, I feel like. You know, <laughs> yeah. Every day there was a different part of it. You know, and I feel like if you could hurt the left body part, he then also a week or two later hurt the right body oh, part yeah. of the same. You know, it was like good, uh, I guess, yeah, scary symmetry there would be the way to put it. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're a team to watch, definitely, because I think, you know, he seems to be healthy and ready to go. Oladipo should be hopefully ready to go. Um, you love the front court there. You know, they've got, you know, really good production out of Sabonis and Warren. Miles Turner, a little bit of a down year for mm-hmm. him. But, yeah. you know, they, I mean, who the heck knows what guys are going to do coming back off this, you know, uh, ridiculously long break of, you know, which will be uh, four and a half months by the time they actually play games. Um, you know, it's going to have been that long before, you know, we see anybody suit up again. So that'll be interesting. Sixers, absolutely. Ben Simmons, um, you know, he was going to be questionable to even be in the playoffs. And now, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing uh, reports and, and uh, clips of him playing uh, pickup games. It looks pretty good. So hopefully he'll be back and ready to go. I think the Celtics in the East, um, while they weren't, they, they didn't have guys necessarily out a lot like um, Indiana did or Philadelphia you did Kemba Walker was dealing with knee soreness and um, all accounts are he looks pretty good and should hopefully be healthy Jalen Brown had um, ankle and hamstring injuries with both legs um, which was really limiting him and it sounds like he's ready to go so I think they're going to get healthy and then in the Western Conference the team that not necessarily guys were missing games, but the Houston Rockets, because they were playing that small lineup where, you know, Robert Covington was the biggest guy in their opening lineup. Um, in addition to playing small um, physically, they were playing a very short rotation. They were only playing um, seven or eight guys most nights. So you were asking guys to play up a position or two, and then guys were having to um, play, you know, in the high 30s, 40 minutes. They looked like they were wearing down a little. Um, that's been a continuous issue with James Harden over the years he hits the playoffs and he just doesn't have enough gas left to do that they're a team i'm really watching out west to say well you know they they might have really benefited from this time off and they might be able to make a real run here at this thing and do some different stuff so i think it is um you know they're they're the team I, i'm gonna have an eye on you know when they start a lot of variance in their game because they shoot so many three-pointers mm-hmm. and the like but but I, I really do i think they've got a chance to look really really good here when the season restarts also, I mean, when it just shows how long, you know, these teams have been off, I mean, you've obviously seen the weight loss from Jokic. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who mentioned he kind of came into the season out of shape and started to really play his way into shape. He looks like a completely different person right now, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to pay off because for the guys that have been working, I mean, this is an opportunity to really – you know, flip the script and come out and be healthier, come out and just be a new team. While then there's also teams like, you know, the teams that were hotter, like the Lakers, I feel like were, you know, all year they had been great. You want LeBron to have time off. He's now had a ton of time off. Same with Kawhi. I mean, these are guys who you think it should benefit them, but there are teams like maybe the Bucks that all season long were dominant. Do you think maybe it's possible that their momentum could be halted and we could see maybe a surprise team kind of come out, one that we would have never expected without this type of layoff? Yeah, I do think that's possible. I think, you know, there there is always the ability of, you know, it's it's just like whether it's a game or a hot streak of, you know, several games in a row, the last thing you want is time off, right? Because you're playing so well, you you know, you want to if, if, if you have a great first half, you don't want the half to end, you know, you want to just, you know, let's skip halftime and keep going. If you are, you know, on a win streak, you the last thing you want to do is run up against any kind of break. And, and while the Bucks had slipped a little bit uh, going into the, the, the pause, I think they were, I think 
think they had actually lost three straight. They were still the best team in the league record-wise and had played quite well. You mentioned the Lakers. So I do wonder with them. I wonder with the Clippers, with this kind of compressed compressed schedule in Orlando, um, are they going to be all right? Because their whole thing all year long has been set up around, well, we got to keep Kawhi and Paul George healthy. If if there's anything going on, they're going to sit and they're going to rest and they're not going to do back-to-backs and they're not going to do, you know, three and four nights and all these things where we're really going to watch this and keep those guys healthy. Well, there's no avoiding that um, here now and in these games all count. And then once you're in the playoffs, we're here and there might even be back-to-backs in the playoffs and those kind of things. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. But, you know, what's funny is I talked to, to one coach and he told me, keep an eye on those young teams because I think those young teams are the ones who they're going to hit the ground running. They're going to you know race out of this thing and they're going to look really good. That very same day, I talked to another coach who said, man, I don't trust the young teams in this environment <laughs> because no crowd, right? No one, no fans to lift them at any point. You know, those are the guys who are more likely to have somebody do something silly and, you know, wander off the, the campus and go do, you know, something dumb that costs him and his team and those kind of things. So it's just funny The more people you talk to, it's interesting. I, I really think that just the conversation I'm having is nobody really knows at all what to expect, except the one consistent thing I've heard is what you want to have coming out of this is a superstar bucket getter because those guys could not play for a year. You could throw them a ball, let them get stretched out, and then they're going to go get you points. And that's something that everybody is saying. This might be a little ragged. Guys might be a little bit off as we restart this thing. You know, look at those guys as the guys who could really come out there and make it happen for you. There truly is no blueprint to this, and you know we yeah. hope that this never happens again. What do you think the long-term perception is going to be of the winner of the NBA championship? You know, at the end of this season, if it is not you know a Lakers or a Bucks, say for instance a team comes out of nowhere and wins it, is there always going to be an asterisk saying, "Well, yeah, that was the COVID nineteen season." I I hope there's no asterisk. I, I have no problem if it is a footnote, which you know some people are like. What's the difference? Well, I think an asterisk is it's it's uh it's demeaning and takes away from mm-hmm. the accomplishment. Or I think a footnote. I think back to 1999. Now you were probably just a young guy then, and mm-hmm. you know uh, I, I imagine I'm considerably older than you. Um. So, but I remember <laughs> watching that Spurs championship, and it gets mentioned, right? Oh, that was that weird lockout season where they only played 50 games, and that's true. But nobody ever comes back and says, yeah, that that champion that didn't really count for Pop and Duncan. You know wasn't a real thing i think you're going to get the same thing it's going to be oh man you know team x you remember, remember that weird year where you know the season shut down and then everybody played at disney and and they won and everybody would be like oh yeah i remember that and then that'll be the extent but i don't discount it because all the teams are coming from the same place they've all been off roughly the same amount of time within a day or so of each other they're all kind of coming in with a chance if anything everybody's kind of gotten healthy again um hopefully you know we hope now we saw Boyan Bogdanovich from the jazz as he tried to ramp back up, he couldn't go. And that's, you know, unfortunately that knocked him out. But, but I think, um, you know, ultimately we're looking at these things and we're going to see these guys kind of come in and hopefully be ready to go. And I think you're going to get, it might be a little sloppy early on, but I think you're going to get really good competitive basketball because that's the one thing the coaches are consistent in is these guys play pickup games and empty gyms. And they're some of the best games you never have ever seen, mm-hmm. you know, and that's with nobody else around. 
So now you're talking, they at least know there's TV and all these things. So I think once they're out there and it's competitive juices and they, you know, have a, have an eye on the, you know, the Larry O'Brien trophy and give themselves a ring. I think it's going to come through. And I think they, whoever's going to run this gauntlet without the aid of any home court advantage or anything like that, it's going to be massive. I, they, I, you know, I think whoever it is, I'm going to you know consider them as worthy a champion as anybody has ever been in the league. Oh, completely. I, I do not think that this is going to be an asterisk uh, thing, uh, asterisk type, you know, win. I think it's always going to be just looked at as like, hey, they. it was an interesting season. You know, you kind of broke it up into two different spots. But uh, I don't want to get you too fired up here because I know that, you know, you can get <laughs> jacked up when it comes to the, the finances, the salary cap over the NBA. But what would the impact be financially if the NBA is unable to, to resume play because you got guys that are going into free agency, obviously, but then you also have players that are eligible for extensions like Jason Tatum, a guy who you're very familiar with from covering, you know, loving the Celtics. What is the impact financially if the league can't resume play? Yeah, it's going to be huge, and yeah, now, now you're winding me up, so go get a drink, go watch it, <laughs> binge a couple shows, and then come back, and I'll, I'll probably be just about done. Um, no, for real, it is, it's huge, it's massive, it's about a billion dollars um, that's at stake by not having the playoffs, that's you know the most lucrative part of the season for the NBA so it's absolutely huge that they, you know, make every attempt to try and pull this off. And I think, you know, what's going to ultimately happen here is it, let, let's say the players, you know, in, in unison said, we're not coming, you know, unanimously where we're done, we're not going to play. We don't think it's the right thing. Well, then what's going to happen is the owners would then turn around. They're going to rip up the CBA because they're going to enact the force majeure clause, um, which is, you know, their right to do when X amount of games are lost. And then they would, you know, tear up that CBA and it's never going to be as favorable for the players again as it is right now so that is uh you know why everybody and nobody wants that the owners don't want that the players don't want that so what you're going to see though is the cap is going to be impacted next year one way or another now there's a lot of different proposals that are being talked is you know do you do some form of leveling or smoothing which if you remember back a few years was you know roundly rejected by the players union because that was um forcibly keeping salaries lower than they should have been this is a different thing this is keeping them a little bit higher higher but then not you know no giant spike you know a couple years down the line because if you just let the math work through the formula the caps even right now even if they play the playoffs is going to bottom out to you know 80 90 million which is about you know 20 to 30 million off where it is right now today it's 109 and change mm -hmm. it could be 80 or 90 so that's a huge challenge right? you, you just you, you just can't and nobody wants that because Hopefully, you know, I don't know, knock on wood real lightly here, um, you know, in a couple of years, things are back to normal and everything is you know, where it was. Now you've got a cap of, you know, 125 million and, and you're going to see a, you know, 30 million dollar cap spike in a year. Nobody really wants that either. We all saw what happened, you know, that summer and some of the contractor. Right. 2016 was just. Yeah. Oof. yeah, it was a yeah. mess. Yeah, so so nobody really wants that either. So what what I think you might see them do is artificially prop up the cap next year. That this is all assuming that they're able to finish out this year and 
and everything goes okay and they're able to have the full playoffs. So they prop up the cap and then then they move forward from there. And I think that is something, you know, we're we're gonna, you know, look at them doing because I think that makes uh the most sense, you know, possible is, you know, this is how we're setting this thing up and this is where we're gonna go um with that. So I, I think it's um, you know, gonna be interesting to see where it goes. But yeah, it, it's a rough market. Now you talked about guys like Tatum, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, all these guys who are extension eligible this coming off season. Um, and I want to be clear because I'm seeing a lot of confusion about this. These guys are all under contract for next year. They've mm-hmm. still got one more year on the rookie scale. But as of how it works in the NBA is it's a year out. You you sign those extensions. They're, they've got insurance policies right now that cover them, but those policies run out June 30th. Well, nothing's really happening before that. So what, what they're looking at is, you know, can those be extended? Um, how hard are those to collect on anyway? Because the first thing an insurance company fires back with is, well, you know, you're, you're really going to miss out because of injury? Then explain to us how Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant both got full max deals, you know, a year year a uh, year ago when they were both coming off potential career ending injuries. You know, explain that, and that's that's where it gets really hard because insurance companies don't want to pay out millions of dollars. Um, so that's the that's another challenge there. So what some of the players, the agents, and some of the teams themselves are pushing for is if we can sign these max extensions in a couple months, you know, when the season is over, can we just do it now? Take that um, you know, thing. My personal opinion and preference is. If it's a max deal, let them sign it. If it's anything less than the max, then I would say, nope, you got to wait. Now you got to wait. But if you're going to commit a full max deal to the player, why, why do you have to wait a couple more months? Go ahead and do it. Anything else, we'll, we'll see you in the offseason when the season's over and we'll go from there. But I understand why the players are you know have some concern and hesitancy. But I've also been told it's not going to keep any of them from playing. Yeah, I completely agree with that last part. It sounds like, you know, everyone's going to finish out the season, and I do think that they will be. Those guys that you mentioned, you know, the Donovan Mitchells, uh, the Jason Tatums, I think they will get those max contracts. Um, when, you talk, when you talk about anything less than that, it, it could get a little bit, uh, little bit foggy in terms of what the salary cap will end up being. But one thing that I feel like a lot of NBA fans are – a little bit confused about is the comments from Kyrie Irving. I feel like we've all heard 10 different things. What was the gist of what uh, Kyrie was trying to get across? Because it didn't seem like he was really doing himself any favor, and it seems like he caught a lot of backlash. Yeah, it's tough. I go to what you know. I heard from a couple of players, and I believe Woj reported a direct quote from an anonymous player was, I don't really care for him as the messenger, but I care about the message. And I think that is really important to note and understand is, yeah, Kyrie's a different kind of guy. I covered him for two years with the Celtics and I can hundred percent tell you it was exhausting. You know, he's just, he's just, he's just, you know, a weird different kind of guy. I mm-hmm. once asked him about a pick and roll coverage and got an answer that had nothing to do with basketball that went on for about two straight minutes. And then I asked him, you know, a little more of a, a complex question and they didn't reply at all. He, you know, um, just, I don't know, man, and let it go. So he's just, he's just kind of, he's a very different guy, but one thing he's not, he's not an idiot. You know, he's not crazy. He has some thoughts that are 100% they're out there you know and they're, mm-hmm. they're different kind of you know uh, things that not a lot of people think um, but you know he's he's not crazy or anything like that so I think you know when you really look at Kyrie Irving what I think people don't necessarily understand with him is 
his role as as a vice president in the Players Association, and let's be clear, he's not the vice president, he's one of several, is to ask hard questions and is to, you know, uh, make sure everybody is, you know, getting all the information they can. So I don't fault him at all for what he did. And there are some people saying, but they had already agreed to play. That's not what they agreed to at all. What they had voted on and agreed to as a players union was 22 teams, uh, eight games, playing tournaments. It'll all be in Orlando, full playoffs. That's what they had agreed to. They had not agreed to, we're definitely coming back to play. And the Players Association was very clear in their statement of, this is what we agreed to. And what's next now is all the details that are the things that really matter. You know, the health and safety and what are these things like. And Kyrie brought up very good points with, is this the time with the Black Lives Matter movement finally having progress in this country after, you know, hundreds of years? It feels like, you know, there might actually be momentum and positive change coming out of this. Is this the time for us to step out of our communities and just go back to playing basketball? And I, I can't answer that, you know, yes or no. You can't answer that. You know, nobody can. That's a very personal, individual decision for every player. So for me, all I want every player to have is all of the information available to them. Health and safety. What is the NBA going to allow them to do to support the Black Lives Matter movement? And what is the financials if I play or don't play? Then the player can go and make whatever decision is best for him and his family. And nobody should be critical or you know angry at them for that. You just support it and you move on and off you go. Because I just I don't want this to turn into something where you know all of a sudden these guys are you know uh, being ripped apart because they chose not to play. Because maybe this for them at their time for whatever reason they have is not the right time to play. And if that's the case, then that's perfectly fine by me. And hopefully it's going to be by everybody else. I completely agree. There's just so much going on right now that it's like you really can't fault anyone for any decision they make. Just hopefully the NBA finds a way to be able to use basketball as a platform for much, much more. And I think that this is actually an opportunity where the players can take advantage of this because, you know, right now, you know, basketball being on our TVs, that's that's when we're all going to be tuning in. And yeah. if they can get their message across there, I think it could be very impactful so yeah what i was told by someone and i apologize for interrupting you but what i was told by someone with the league is these games are going to matter to a crown of champion but we need to make sure that they matter for what it can do for our communities and i think that's huge i think the nba is a progressive they're a forward-thinking league they are a player-driven league they're going to do everything they can to involve the players to make this as positive and impactful an experience as possible 100% 100% agree, and as of now, it looks like you know the, the NBA could be resuming before baseball. We still don't know what's happening with baseball. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, that's a By mess a in itself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the NBA will also be resuming before football. So this is a big opportunity for the NBA to lead the pack on how to promote you know, social equality and everything of the sort of that, that I think that the NFL and other leagues could follow in their footsteps. So just a massive opportunity uh, for the NBA. But as we wrap up here, I want to get your finals preview as well as your finals winner. After all the, the craziness that's gone on, who's representing the East and the West and hoisting the trophy in the end? 
Yeah, I had the Bucks and the Clippers uh, before all of this stuff, and I'm going to stick with that. I think that they are still the two teams that are best positioned to win throughout the playoffs. I think, you know, if you're the best team, you could go play these games on the moon, and it doesn't really matter. You know, it's uh, the best team's going to win, and those, I think, are the two best teams. So those are the two teams I have. And I'm going to lean still with the Bucs. I, I think that, you know, Giannis is the best player in the league right now. No disrespect meant to LeBron James at all with that. But I think Giannis is just just playing at such a crazy level they've got great depth i think that their system and understanding of who they are um they made no real changes at the trade deadline um so they're basically coming in as as the same team they were so they're not having to incorporate new guys and learn because you know the trade deadline was only a month before the season shut down so and a big chunk of that time was you know spent teams were away on the all-star break so so it is uh you know there some of these teams are still learning guys but i think i think the bucks are still you know the team to be when we get get to all Disney World, and I'm going to stick with that. Okay, I very much respect it, and I think that if everything does go as planned, you know, it's hard to argue that because the Bucks really did look like the best team this year. So, Keith, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. I wish you the best of luck in everything right now, and uh, you always got a, a couple friends over at Setting the Pace. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Y'all stay safe. You and yours. Everybody, wear your masks. Wise words. Have a good one, Keith. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.